We're going to continue. If you're visiting, we're in the middle of a series, and it's called The Good Book. And there is a book that actually goes along with this, and we have those available. Uh, And it's a good read no matter what. Uh, It's got 40 separate chapters of the Bible, significant chapters of the Bible, and there's a devotional thought that goes with that. It spreads out over eight weeks. So even if you don't have it, I would encourage you to get it. Uh, It's just outstanding. Uh, I can't tell you uh, the days that have gone by, certain mornings I'll get up in that particular text, and that devotional just hits home uh, where I'm at. So I know God will speak through that. One of the authors of the book, his name is Darren uh, Spoo, and here's what he said about Matthew chapter 7, which is what we're going to be getting into this morning, Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7 can be condensed into one word, choices. The choices we make, both big and small, matter to Jesus, and they bear consequences in the development of our character, choices. Now, uh, most men... Uh, my good friends make fun of me because I'll be honest, I don't drink coffee black. I use creamer, so deal with it, okay? I like it, okay? And so the other day, I was thinking about how many ridiculous choices we have. So I went to Kroger. That's just Kroger and how many creamer choices you have. And I, the sad thing is, is I've probably tried every one of those flavors. I just love mix and matching flavors. Uh, and I know what you're thinking right now if you're a visitor, like, I'm not coming back. Okay, so I understand. So just hang in there. But think about in your life how many choices you have to make constantly. All the time we are making choices. I mean, back in the day, some of you remember this, uh, there was no such thing as a Starbucks. You could, you could really refine your coffee drinking into one word. Remember what it was? Folgers, Okay. And that was really it. And now we have so many Starbucks, or some of my good friends call them five bucks, and they've learned that we have a culture that loves change. We complain about it, but we love it. This morning what I want to do is I want us to look at two choices when you're a Christ follower that will guide us through this long haul we call life, right here in Matthew chapter 7. If you like to take notes, here's the first point right here. We choose to see others the way Jesus sees us. That's the first choice that Jesus really wants us all to wrestle with. Do we actually see others the way that Jesus sees us? Let's start there in 7 verse 1. Do not judge or you too will be judged. Now just think about that one verse. I mean, what if you put that on an index card and just put it on your refrigerator and every day just thought about that one verse? For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. With the same measure you used, it will be measured to you. Now, I don't know if you're as sinful as I am, but sometimes when I'm hearing a sermon, for example, on judging others, the longer the guy talks, I'm thinking, you know, this is a good day for so-and-so to hear that sermon. Now, I know none of you think that. Don't even start looking at the people you want to hear the sermon, but... In all honesty, think about how this rubs all of us, this whole idea of judging, and that we should see others the way that Christ sees us. Now, you know the background. is, You know that this is the Sermon on the Mount. This is chapter 7, so chapters 5, 6, and 7. Jesus is laying out this amazing transformational teaching, and now he's bringing it really to an end. 
And in this last chapter, he's driving home these major points, and this is a major point. Really, do a heart check and ask yourself, do you judge others? We judge others in countless ways. How a person looks, what a person drives, where a person lives. We even judge a person's past, and we can have a tendency to even look and judge somebody's potential future. We all are guilty of that. I know that I'm not alone, is we sum up people almost instantly when we see them. Uh, how many of you, uh, I'm not going to have you raise your hand, but have a particular perspective sometimes when you walk through Walmart? Am I the only one? And I'm like, what is going on? I mean, there was a guy the other day, long flannel, red pajama bottoms. It was just nuts. And he, he walks up to the counter. I had to get by him. I'm like, this guy. You know, so anyway, I, I, I want to hear what he's got to say. And he, he leaned in, and the gal said, are you having a good day? And he goes, well, I'm out of bed. I'm not dead. I'm like, boy, this guy's a bundle of joy. And, uh, and then he said, but I got a coupon. He was pretty happy about that, you know. And, you know, so I swat him on the back. So I go get him, brother. I'm lying. I didn't do that. But anyway, as you walk through, you're instantly, your mind is judging. When I was in high school, I even hate to admit this, but I had already made this commitment that I was going to go to Bible college. Uh, but I, I grew up poor, really poor. So I'll be honest, you know who I had really a bad attitude about? All the, all the students driving up brand, really nice brand new cars. Now, I would love to say that I saw them the way Jesus did, but I didn't. My attitude was, yeah, your parents are helping you now, but you are such a loser. You're going nowhere in life. Jesus loves me. I'm going to be a preacher. <laughs> yeah, you, I know. You see what I'm saying? We all have that in us. We see somebody, we have an instant thought, we, we just roll it in our minds, and we're judging all the time. Jesus said, now, before you do that, this is what I love about Jesus. Jesus steps back, and he, he uses metaphors all the time that he knows will get people's attention. So here's the metaphor he uses. Now, just imagine how ridiculous it is if somebody has a speck in their eye, and you've got a plank hanging out of your head, and you're going to take the speck out of that person's eye. Just try to walk through what that looks like. Now, you know, they're looking at one another like, that's really weird. And Jesus said, that's exactly what it's like when you're so just quick to judge somebody's behavior and you don't even take the time. Now, here's where it gets hard to ask this question. Do I have the same problem? Uh, as a parent, I'll tell you this, and those of you that are parents or grandparents, you've been here. What frustrates you most about your kids? Now, I don't want you to answer. I just want you to dig deep. You know what I noticed over the years? What frustrated me the most is when I saw myself and my kids. Like, you tick me off. You just like me. I, you know, and you just, you know, like, where did you get that? I'm like, I know where they got that one. You know, usually it's Marie. But that, you know, there's always, there's a, she's not even here. That's why I'm talking about it. So, but I want you to think seriously about judging others. Now, what I love about the book, there's so many great illustrations, and this is one uh, shared from the book from Alexander Scheman. His story is one that, uh, boy, it's, it's just, I'm telling you, it has hit my heart all week. And he is now a very high-ranking priest in Russia, and he's transformed and changed so many people's life with his compassion and his love for others. But when he's around 20, 21, and I think he would say this, that he was kind of a jerk. Yeah, he had a huge ego. 
and he was engaged, and he went from Russia with his fiancée, and he was on a train in Paris, France. And sitting there on the train, this woman gets on with the Salvation Army uniform, and um, she just looked like her life was just beating her up. And she sat right next to him. So he leaned over to his fiancée, and he started speaking in Russian, saying, is that not one of the ugliest women you've ever seen? And then four or five stops later, she stood up and in perfect Russian said, you know, I haven't always been ugly. And it cut him to the heart. And he realized, that's how I see people. I see people as objects. I don't see people for the hurt that they're going through. I just see people as, if I make fun of them, that makes me feel better about myself. And you know, that makes me a pretty worthless human being to think that way. It changed the entire course of his life. And all week long, I thought, I've done that. I mean, I've never audibly spoke a different language to throw somebody off. I'm not that smart. But I've got the thoughts. I've got times I'm like, oh, I bet that person's this, this, or this. Well, look at that. Without even knowing that person's story. And Jesus said, you need to love others the way I, I love people unconditionally. You got to know that that crowd that day, the Sermon on the Mount, imagine how they were judging one another. Because remember, there's religious leaders. They're from every background imaginable. And imagine as Jesus is teaching these life principles, they're probably looking across the crowd at different people thinking, I hope they're hearing this. I hope so-and-so knows he's talking to them. And Jesus is like, I'm talking to everyone. And he's talking to us this morning. He said, hey, are you judging others? And then second of all, we choose to intentionally seek God daily. Now, listen to these words in verses 7 and 8. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find it. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who hears receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be opened to them. Would you say these three words with me? Ask. Seek, knock. A lot better than first service. They were struggling with that. Okay, so I want you to think about how proactive every one of those words are. You see what Jesus is saying? He's saying, here, God wants a relationship with you. God's not a million miles away. He wants you to ask. He wants you to seek. He wants you to knock. He wants you to pursue him every day. And when we begin to pursue God every day, that relationship of drawing near, that's what's going to change our lives. And I mean every day. I mean, it isn't a Sunday-only experience. It can't be. Life is every day. And are we doing everything that we can to seek Him out? In a book, The God Chasers by Tommy Tenney years ago, here's what he said. The word of the Lord to us is to stop seeking His benefits and to seek Him not to seek his hands any longer, but to seek his face. I love that. Because I think of the times when I go to God, I'm always asking him for something. I'm begging him for something. How many times do I just go to God simply because I just want to be in his presence? I just want to pursue, not his hands to give me the things that I want, but to actually seek his face to draw so close to God that I can feel his heartbeat. And that's what he desires for all of us. And one of the problems in life, 
time wasters. We have to be honest that we waste a lot of time. The average person, uh, this comes off the website simplifyandorderly.com uh, and also timehack.org, uh, these statistics. The average person will spend 55 minutes a day looking for things they own but they cannot find. How many of you spent at least an hour this week searching for something? Am I the only one? Good. We got a lot of sinners here today. Okay, good. I, I went through this uh, with my wallet. Uh, it's a reoccurring nightmare. I had that this week to deal with. 20, I love this. 25% of all Americans have a two-car garage that they cannot fit one car in, okay? <laughs> so why would, if you lost something, I would start in the garage, okay? Isn't that true? Here's the other one. Um, the, the number one time waster in the, in the world, you know what it's ranked as? Facebook. That's people saying, where do you waste a lot of time? Now, here's the one I love the most. They did a, a thorough survey of people at work, and they said, what takes the most of your time? What wastes the most and takes the most time away? You know what they said? This is great. Other people's problems. I'm fixing other people's problems. How many of you felt like that? Don't look at them. But, that, you know, you're at work, you've got your to-do list, you know, here comes Jim Bob, you know, he can't get something to work, and the whole time you're like, you got to be kidding me. Now, you don't want to go to work and go, hey, the minister said, you're a waste of time, you know? <laughs> I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is, we all know that. If we look at our lives, all of us have, like, holes, like, we're wasting time where we could be pursuing God. Now, you know, I've mentioned before that one of my responsibilities at Sherwood Oaks that I love is I get a chance to, to work to set up Bible studies and discipleship for, for men, okay? And I can't tell you how many times I've set, had this sit down with guys, okay? So let me, women, check out for just a minute. Let me pick on the guys. We'll say, hey, do you want to get closer to Christ? Yes. Would you like to do a Bible study? No. <laughs> Why? I don't like to read. How would that hold up with Jesus? Seriously, can you imagine the disciples? I want to change your life for the transformational words of God. I don't like to read. Now, seriously, think about it. Yeah, you need to read. And matter of fact, let's just start with the word of God. Read. And, and honestly, I, I do. I, it get, it's frustrating sometimes. Now, here's the thing. The average American reads four books a year. Four books. Now, the sad thing is, is you got to know in that chart, there's those folks that read like a book a day. So, you know, you got those folks. So how many people don't read at all? Now, am I condemning you for not reading? Yes, I am. <laughs> I, am. I mean, seriously, we need to step back and say, wait a second, what's the excuse I'm using? Uh, when I came out of Bible college, I don't know if you've ever heard the phrase, C's get degrees. Have you ever heard that one? I've heard that because <laughs> that was me. So anyway, I... I started my first full-time ministry, and I went to this seminar on discipleship, and the guy's name was David Roadcup. And I remember in the class, uh, he, was, he was rolling through, and I'm taking all these notes on setting up discipleship groups, and then he paused and said, I, I want to I give you something that may help some of you that struggle with getting fresh material or whatever it was. And I'm like, oh, this ought to be good. And he said, I had a friend who called me the other day. He'd been in ministry for 10 years, been at this church for 10 years, and he said he was going to have to go to another church. And I said, well, 
are you having a struggle with the elders? Are you having a struggle with the congregation? He said, no, none of that. I've got nothing left. And he said, what do you mean you've got nothing left? He goes, they have heard the same sermons. And I've kind of regurgitated different, but he said, I, I have no time to study. And he said, well, what are you reading? And he said, I don't have time to read. And he said, you don't have time not to read. So he leaned in and he said, how many of you don't like to read? Well, I was already sitting in the front row and I'm like, nobody knows me. So I raised my hand. He says, do you read at all? I'm like, yeah, Sports Illustrated. You know, I mean, I, yeah, I read. And he goes, no, no, do you read? And I said, it's hard for me to read a whole book. I mean, it's just, it is. He said, I hear that a lot. So he said, here's the way to think about it. If you'd read two chapters of a book a day, you'd read a book a week. Now, you would think I was smarter than that, that I'd have figured that out. I'm like, that's not true. So then I got home and I got some books out. I'm like, hey, he's pretty sharp, you know. I, and then I started reading two chapters a day. I can do that. And now my wife will tell you I'm addicted. Like, she's like, you seriously didn't order another book. And I'm like, how else am I going to learn how to garden? You know, I don't know. I'll order, and it's always weird stuff. And it's not like I read every book, and it's not like I'm, man, that guy must be so smart. No, I'm not. But I've learned, I've just got hungry for it. And I'm just sharing this because I, I think it, we do this sometimes with God's word. It's like, that's just so hard. You've got to get in there. And make that a priority. It's just so easy to walk away from the things and make excuses. John Wooden said, never make excuses. Your friends don't need them, and your enemies won't believe them. Ask, seek, and knock. You may remember, if some of you are reading through the good book, the story about Mother Teresa and John Cavanaugh. John Cavanaugh was there at Calcutta just studying Mother Teresa. And one night he thought, it would be amazing if Mother Teresa would pray for me. So if I see her, I'm going to ask her if she'll pray for me and pray for my direction and purpose in life. So he approached Mother Teresa and he said, Mother Teresa, tonight when you're on your knees praying, would you pray for me and the purpose for my life? And Mother Teresa said, no, and left. And he's like, maybe she didn't hear me. You know, it is Mother Teresa, you know. And so the next morning he said, I probably didn't say this right, but I, he said, would you pray for me and the purpose for my life? And she said, I, I'm just not going to do that. She said, you know, when I get on my knees every day, I never pray for purpose. I pray for trust. I don't know if you've been around folks sometimes, and they'll say, I've got this 10-year plan for my life. You ever hear that? I can see 10 years out. Now, again, should we have long-range planning as a part of our life? Absolutely. But if you think about it, does life work that way? How many of you have had your plans change in the last 12 months? Raise your hand. See, that ought to encourage all of us that life is like that. And all of us should be praying, God, I really do want to follow your purpose, but I know more than anything else, I just pray that I can trust you. I want to ask. I want to seek. I want to knock. Now, let me tell you why that is so important. Matthew 7, 24 and 25. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, and he puts them into practice, is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, and the streams rose, and the winds blew, and they beat against the house, and yet it did not fall, because it had a foundation on the rock. 
Here's why this is so important. When Jesus is laying these transformational life lessons to the Sermon on the Mount, did you notice how he concluded that amazing Sermon on the Mount? He said, here's what's going to happen. Not if, when the storms come, do you have your act together. Because here's the deal. The storms are coming. We all know that. There's not a person in this room that doesn't know that. There's two kinds of storms, I think, in life. Uh, there's the storms of inconvenience. Now, here's what I mean by inconvenience. A few weeks ago, uh, that huge storm blew through, and it uh, took a huge limb out of our, uh, one of the trees in our yard. Our neighborhood just like had trees down all over the place, and I imagine a lot of you had to clean up a lot of damage. Matter of fact, uh, it was funny. I called a good Todd Edwards. I called Todd, and I said, hey, can you help me pick up this tree on Monday at 4 o'clock? I get home about 3.45. The tree's picked up. So I text Todd. I'm like, dude, I was going to help you. I was not. But I was going to help you <laughs> clean that tree up. And he goes, I didn't pick up that tree. Somebody else did that. And so I contacted my neighbor. I said, do you know who picked up the tree? They said, the county did, because it was over the sidewalks. It's a dangerous situation. So now I just take all my stuff. I put it on the sidewalk. It's great. <laughs> so... So my neighbor hits me with another text. He said, hey, that is good news. Have you looked in your backyard? So then I looked in the backyard. A tree had come down that day. So Todd, uh, anyway, I, so anyway, I got a hold of another friend, came over, picked it up, and I thought, life's just like that all the time. There, there's these inconvenience storms that come. Isn't that true? Uh, your transmission goes out. You didn't plan on that, you know. Uh, you, you go to the doctor and you think it's something minor and it turns out to be more than something minor. Uh, life has all these things that just throw us off. Financially, they throw us off. But we work through those storms. But then there's the storms that literally rock your entire foundation and everything changes. And we've been through some of those too, haven't we? I just think over the last few months here on the West Side and uh, spending time with some of you and knowing Man, this storm is so intense. And I'll be honest, some of you have inspired me so much. And over the years, I've been inspired by Christ followers whose entire, like the whole foundation is just laid bare, and their faith is so strong, and they're leaning into Jesus. And you know what? That didn't just happen in a day. They didn't wake up and say, I want my faith to be strong. No, that was years and years and years of day in and day out seeking and knocking, and searching, and seeking, and knocking, and searching. And then when that storm comes, it rocks your foundation. Guess what? He's there. I can't tell you how many times I've heard men and women and young people just at the brink, and they'll say, I can't explain this, but I've never been closer to Jesus Christ than when that storm just completely knocked me off my hinges. That's what Jesus Christ is all about.